Welcome NMEC family and friends to our online worship service. We are glad to have you here with us today. Today, as we continue with our series on discipleship, we will deal with discipleship in the digital age. Our opening song, So Will I, speaks so much about how God is everlasting from age to age and from generations to generations. There at the start, before the beginning of time, with no point of reference, you spoke to the dark. If creation sings your praises, so will I. So shall we worship and sing praises to God together. And yes, we shall to him and him alone. Creatures catch your breath 
Lord's Day to you, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God for the opportunity to share His Word to you once again, and I hope that His Word will continue to minister to you, to your needs as you grow in your walk with Christ. What is one thing you can't disciple others without? If you remember from last March, the who we know is the Holy spirit. What about the what? Would it be a discipleship book? Would it be gospel tracts? Would it be a discipleship conference? You know, these are great ways for us to better minister to others. But I'd say we can't disciple without the Word of God, for it is the power of God based on Romans 1 verse 16. And that being said, how do you see the preaching and teaching of God's Word today? Is it elevated or understated? As we shall see later, the church started with the preaching of the Word of God in Acts chapter 2. In church history, when you hear the heresies and errors, it was combated by great strong preaching, such as the 16th century Reformation, Martin Luther, John Calvin, and others who fought for sound teachings based on the Bible. And there's the Great Awakening. Prior to it, Christianity became just a formality and less personal during this time, which led to lower church attendance. Christians were feeling complacent with their methods of worship, and some were disillusioned with how wealth and rationalism were dominating culture. So do we see the same thing today? This era was also marked by
by strong biblical preaching that sparked the Great Awakening. And so we see this throughout church history. When the church had been the weakest, lacking in power, we see resurgence again and again. And how did the church get back on its feet? It was only through faithful preaching of God's word, and there's no better preaching than with the power of the Holy Spirit. So brothers and sisters in the Lord, how do you see the church today? Is the church growing in love and commitment to our head, the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are we in a period where we need another great awakening? Let's narrow it down to ourselves. How about our personal commitment with God? Since we started with our theme this year, Discipling the Nations, Finishing the Mission, we are almost halfway through the year. Have you seen growth and discipline in your spiritual life? Have you started discipling others? Whether you see yourself progressing or not, this is the truth. We all need the preaching of God's Word, for its power remains the same. So as we look into discipleship, in the digital age today, I hope and pray that we will see and experience the same power from the Word of God through the Holy Spirit. So with this, let us begin with the reading from God's personal Word to us and study the first sermon after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension found in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 41. However, I'll be highlighting only some verses Verses 14 to 15, 22 to 24, 29 to 36. So Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 41. Shall we read God's word together? Acts chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Jumping to verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and for knowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Let's jump to verse 29. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, 
until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. May God bless the reading of his word. Shall we read, shall we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the week that has passed. You are the rock of our salvation. You are the sustainer of life. You are the keeper of promises. For you are the all-powerful creator. You give life to your creation and sustain it with your goodness and love. We thank you for Christ in whom we find redemption and restoration to you. Without him, we wouldn't have this great privilege of communing with you and worshiping together in Christ. Christ is the bread of life in whom we will never hunger. Christ is the living water in whom we will never thirst. Lord, you have been merciful and loving to thousands of generations. Even when they rebelled against you, you continued to pour out your love to them. Lord, we may have also rebelled against you the past week by violating your commands or failing to do it. May you forgive our trespasses. Thank you for being faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. O oh Lord, the tragedies we may have heard this week make us ask, why, Lord, why? Father, remember your children, particularly those who are in suffering due to various reasons. Health, lack of security, needs, loss of loved ones, those who are emotionally and spiritually troubled. May your presence be felt in their times of distress. For we know, Lord, that you are our good shepherd, who will never leave us nor forsake us and rescue us in times of helplessness. May we never lose hope and always submit to your will, no matter what, for your will is always good. May your Holy Spirit, our source of power and help, work in our hearts and minds today as your word is being proclaimed. May you anoint your servant with your word, not mine to bless your people. In Christ's name we pray, amen. What we just read in this portion of Acts is the first sermon among the 19 sermons recorded by Luke. Further seven by Peter, nine by Paul, and one each by Stephen and James. And some would say, this is the sermon of 3,000 souls. And did you know that 25% of Acts is actually a sermon? It's not only the Acts of the Apostles. In fact, according to Dr. Steve Lawson, president and founder of One Passion Ministries, he would rather entitle this book as The Sermon of the Apostles. And I would like to add the Acts of the Holy Spirit as well. For it is he who moved and empowered both apostles and believers in the early church. So immediately after receiving the promised Holy Spirit, the first thing the early believers did was to preach the gospel. Just go back to verse 11. They were telling the mighty works of God that some people were amazed and perplexed. And before we continue, I want us to first turn to Paul's letter to 2 Timothy and chapter 4, and which is one of Paul's final letters. And let's observe in this chapter his charge to Timothy. First, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. 
I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wandering off into myths. So we can see that his charge for Timothy was to preach the word. He charges Timothy before the Lord Jesus Christ in whom he is accountable to and that goes for the rest of us. Though this charge was given to a pastor, we can see the importance and urgency of proclaiming the Bible as disciples and disciples alike. As we have seen months ago, Paul's relationship with Timothy was as a father with a son. So 2 Timothy is actually Paul's letter of encouragement and final charge to the young pastor Timothy. So of all the things that Paul could have been thinking in his mind while in prison, he was thinking of ways to encourage Timothy. And of all the things to direct in his final days, Paul emphasized on the preaching of Scripture. Preach the word. Peter and the believers preached when the Holy Spirit came to them. Paul, in his last days, instructed on preaching. And after he's gone, he expects the preaching of the word to continue. So the word of God should always be the meat of our message when we disciple people. The word of God should always be the meat of our message when we disciple people. And the word for preach in the original language is the word keruso, which means to proclaim, to announce, to tell. But it doesn't end by merely speaking. It should be told with urging acceptance of the message with consequences for not doing so. Such as when you give an announcement, okay? You want people to listen to you because you have something important to say and they must know it, what it is about, or face the consequences of missing out on something important. So if the word is not preached, we do see consequences, such as in verses 3b and 4. People will go to teachings that are suitable to them. They will turn away from the truth and turn to myths. And that is why whenever the word of God is preached, we should give reverence to his voice by listening intently and all the more when the word is faithfully proclaimed. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, do you love the preaching of God's word? Do you look forward to it during Sunday services or even in your own small groups? Do you aim to be grounded and rooted in the word when you teach or evangelize to both believers and unbelievers? Preach the word for its power from the early church throughout church history, present and for all time remains the same. With this, let's observe the first sermon recorded by turning back to our passage found in Acts chapter 2, 
verses 14 to 41, to discover the importance of sound teaching and appreciate it, and also to discover the same power that was with the early church and is now with us today. Even at an advanced age, with so much technology as we conduct discipleship, the word of God never changed. We are going to see a preaching that involves exhortation, confrontation, conviction, persuasion for one goal to win the listeners for Christ. Isn't it? That's why we are doing discipleship. We want to win the listeners for Christ. You can put a hashtag in that. Hashtag win the listeners for Christ. So whether you are teaching and leading a group today, God desires for you to be faithful and rooted in the word. If you are being discipled today, God desires for you to embrace and love the word. So here's my outline for God's message. It's very simple. Number one, announce the word. Number two, point to the word. Number three, connect the word. And lastly, number four, apply the word. So announce the word. Just like giving an announcement, you want to be heard. You want to take a stand where you have important news to say. Your announcement will be useless if people do not get your attention or hear you. In the same way, when you look into verse 14, we observe Peter doing the same thing. He took a stand and lifted up his voice and he demands for their attention. Give ear to my words. To stand means to establish oneself. For Peter to establish himself as the preacher. To lift up the voice does not mean that Peter needed to amplify his voice because there were no microphones yet to boost his voice. To lift up the voice means to speak with authority. And whose authority or why does he have the right? Because he was an apostle. So as an apostle, rooted from the word apostolos, which means one who is sent. So who sent them? They were directly commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ. So they speak under the authority of Christ. And we know that Christ himself was also sent by someone. He was sent by the Heavenly Father. And so when he was in this world, he spoke with authority of the Father. So Peter gathered the people because his message is very important. This has to be made known to you. So give me your ears. He makes an evangelistic appeal to his listeners to repent and believe in Jesus. This message is urgent. Urgency is something that has to be done and done right away. Notice here, how long ago was Jesus crucified and buried and resurrected? Just a few weeks ago, six weeks ago. But there was so much urgency in Peter's tone. What more today? What more today when we are nearing the return of Christ? So we see the transformation of Peter just one and a half months from Jesus' resurrection. And where did this man, who was a coward, get his confidence from? From the Holy Spirit who empowers and his authority given to preach the word. So brothers and sisters in Christ, 
when we announce the word, we are not merely sharing a few thoughts. Sharing, teaching, preaching the word is not something I think. Peter addressed them. And in the original translation, the word for address is actually the word declared. To speak with boldness, for these are the words of truth. That's how you declare the word of God. So in your discipleship groups, declare the word of God as if you are willing to be burned at the stake and to die for the gospel, having so much conviction in the word. Speak with authority and confidence because these are not your words, but the word of God. These are not mere opinions or thoughts, but absolute truth. Announce the word, for it is the power of God. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Second, point to the word. Point to the word. What can you observe from verses 16 to 21? And verses 25 to 28. Verses 16 to 21 and 25 to 28. Peter points to scripture in the words that he is saying. One from the prophet Joel and another from their patriarch David. And we should do the same in discipling others. For what you have to say, what I have to say right now, what Peter has to say is nothing more, is nothing less than the word of God. Again, this is God's word, not my words, nor it is yours. These words aren't even Peter's words, having been inspired by God. These words aren't even the prophet Joel's words, as you can see in verse 17. It shall be, who declares? God declares. And just count and see the kinds of pronouns that are found in the succeeding verses. Personal pronouns of I and my. So though what we are saying are truths, we are to quote also from Scripture for scriptural proofs. The Jews are faithful to Scripture. In fact, they are even too careful to not break any commands. So Peter referred to Scripture in his message. That's why it is also important for us to read the passage when pointing to the Word to show the scope where you are coming from and as believers, we should believe in every word the Bible says. For as long as we find the consistency of what is being unpacked and explained from the word, we should give ear to the message. Read the passage, for there is power in it. There is power even in the reading of the Bible. And just to sum up Peter's quotation from Scripture, verses 14 to 21 is the fulfillment of the miracle of tongues based from Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. And verses 22 to 36 is the fulfillment of Psalm 16, 8 to 11, and 110, verse 1, speaking about Christ as the Messiah. Announce the word, point to the word, for it is powerful. And third, connect the word. Connect the word. I can recall in one of Dr. Lawson's Bible studies, whenever he will conclude his sharing, he would have a so what portion. And since I've adapted that in our fellowships, 
when it comes to the application. So Dr. Lawson once had a preaching professor when he was still in the seminary. And this preaching professor would hold up a sign in preaching class every now and then. And that sign contained only two words. The words, so what? What is the professor trying to say? What does your message have to do with me? So we are to connect the word to our groups when we are doing discipleship. After the sharing of God's word, and that's what Peter did in verses 22 to 24, 29 to 36. And what happened in verse 37? After he quoted from scripture, what happened in verse 37? Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. When Peter interpreted the scripture, the people were moved because through the Holy Spirit, the explanation of the word was directed to them. And who were the audience of Peter? They were the same Jews who pushed for the crucifixion of Christ just a few weeks ago. And what kind of people were they? They were murderers. Although this Jesus was delivered to die in the definite plan and for knowledge of God, verse 23, there's human responsibility in his death. Second part of verse 23, the Bible says, you crucified him. You have been waiting for the Messiah. The scripture did promise that God will send one. Now he came, but you rejected him. You even premeditate, premeditated his death. And because of that, you are now accountable to God for the death of his son. But did the story end there? Let's look at verse 24. God raised him up because death could not hold him. You thought you could put Jesus to death and wouldn't have to deal with him anymore. Peter told them, you're wrong. He's a victorious savior. And just a week ago in Acts chapter 1, many witnessed his resurrection and ascension to heaven. And looking into verse 32, this Jesus God raised up. And of that, we all are witnesses. And Peter also used their patriarch David, whom they looked highly. And David foresaw and spoke of the resurrection of Christ. Verse 31, jumping to verse 36, we see his point. Now, there's the connection. Now, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him Lord and Christ. Take note for the second time. This Jesus, whom you crucified. This Jesus, whom you crucified. So brothers and sisters, you can see here how important it is to connect the word of God to the listeners in how they can understand it better and see the relevancy of God's word in their everyday lives. The word of God is timeless. The word of God is timeless. It's relevant in the Old Testament, such as in the time of Ezra, when he was reading the scriptures found in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 8 to 9. The Bible says, They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense, so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. 
for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. So that's what we see in the Old Testament. So it is so important, even in the New Testament, Christ himself read from Scripture and connected it. Luke chapter 4, 17 to 21. And what we witness here in Acts chapter 2, people were cut to the heart. The word cut, katanuso, is not merely being touched in the heart. Like in Tagalog, we say, nakatouch ka naman, right? You know, but after a while, nakakatouch, the feeling subsides quickly. But when the Bible uses the word cut, katanuso, it means to be pierced, to be stabbed, to be mutilated with a knife. It reaches the innermost part of the heart. And only the Word of God can do that. And that's the power of the Word. Then, regardless whether we live in the Old Testament times, we live in the New Testament times, or existed in the 16th century Reformation, or those who will be born 100 years from now, we need the Gospel daily. Because it is through the Word, the Holy Spirit, moves and transforms us. Announce the word, point to the word, connect to the word, for it is powerful. For our last point, apply the word. Apply the word. Let's look at the second part of verse 37. And what do you observe there? And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And what can we notice here? In the previous verse, Peter's main point in his sermon was to make all Israel know that Jesus was the promised Christ. Now, in verse 38, when they heard this, they who were cut by the word, they cut Peter's message since he still has a few more words to say in verses 39 to 41. But since they were cut to the heart, they were so convicted, they had to respond. What can we do here? Because they who heard the message of God have been pierced deep in their hearts. They were so convicted. And also, they were the ones who initiated to Peter, right? And, and the apostles by asking, what shall we do? They wanted to do something, having been deeply convicted. After hearing all that they have heard from Peter, having crucified the Christ, the promised Messiah. This Jesus is the Christ. So Peter told them, repent and be baptized. Repent means to turn away from and to turn to. So to turn away from wickedness, a life of sin, a life of self-righteousness and pride, then turn to Christ. That's true repentance. So having believed in what the scripture said concerning Christ, they were baptized and 3,000 people were saved that day. So brothers and sisters, whenever we share the word of God, it is to win people to Christ. It is to win people to Christ. We tell them why God sent Jesus. We tell them why he had to die on the cross. We tell them why we must believe in him and surrender our lives to him. And that's why in verse 21, going back there, which is synonymous with Romans 10, 13, the Bible tells us the free offer of the gospel. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? I do hope so. So we should preach the gospel daily, not only to unbelievers, even believers themselves need to be reminded of the gospel. In our own struggles, we can also preach the gospel to ourselves as a reminder of his grace to us. We help others apply the word and to help them see what God is commanding and what is pleasing to him. Not for salvation's sake, having received it freely already in Christ, but as a new creation. As our theme last year, as a transformed person, we now have the freedom to do the things that God commands and what pleases God. So again, number one, announce the word. Number two, point to the word. Number three, connect the word. And lastly, apply the word. For it is powerful. In closing, through the Sermon of Peter, we saw how the power of God cuts through people's hearts. And that is why it should be the center of discipleship, even in our present age and the age to come. Remember, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, another false reminder, aside from preach the word, 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 states, All scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Doesn't discipleship involve teaching, reproofing, correcting, training, and equipping? And what did Paul remind Timothy? All scripture. It should be done with and through scripture. There is nothing wrong with techniques, hearing the advices and experiences of seasoned disciples. Nothing wrong with attending seminars for discipleship because we also need to learn how we can better present the gospel, how we can better prepare what we will share, or how we can strategically approach people or build up people and relationships. But we should never make scripture secondary. Rather, it should always be our primary tool for discipleship. Dr. R.C. Sproul would frequently observe that one of the biggest problems in the church today is that people are looking for power everywhere. They are looking for power everywhere, except the place God has put it in his word. If we want to find power for persevering faith, putting sin to death, and growing in Christ, it will come only as we attend diligently to his word. Scripture. Scripture needs nothing added in order for it to become the word of God. For scripture is itself the word of God, read out by him and belonging to him, no less than our own words that are breathed out by us and belong to us. The word of God is powerful. And as we learned from many texts, it is also clear. It does not take special education to understand the basic message of salvation that is revealed in Scripture. We have kids as young as three to four years old in Sunday school 
who can understand the Bible lessons about God and profess their love for Jesus. That's how powerful the Bible is. And of course, training in the right interpretation of the Word of God, such as looking into the original language of Scripture or the historical context of the Bible, it can help us understand the Bible more accurately. However, God is clear enough in His Word that even the unlearned can read it and know what they need to do in order to be saved and to please the Lord in everyday life. Just to cite this instance found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 7, in this text, the Lord is speaking through Moses to the Israelites as they were about to enter the promised land. And very few, if any, in this group would have had a formal education. Yet, God expects these very ordinary men and women to be able to understand and teach his commandments to their children. Scripture teaches profound truth, but its message is not only for those who hold a high social status, having spent years in school, or have access to the best scholarship. It is for everyone. So scripture's clarity does not mean that you know, everything in the Bible is easy to understand. Rather, it emphasizes that God has not hidden the essential message of salvation from his people. What we can know about God, what we can know about Christ, is enough for us to believe in him and trust him as our Lord and Master. So how can we apply God's message for us today? Discipling in the disciple age gives us so much more advantage than the early church and the faithful believers throughout church history. They had to travel to distances just to minister to people. Uh, they don't own a personal copy of the Bible. They don't have the tools to help them study God's word, whether for self-edification or edifying others. They do not have the information that is readily available today and information that have been thoroughly studied by theologians and biblical scholars. So what is keeping us from hearing, learning, preaching, teaching, studying God's word when we have everything before us today? It's a reality that the pandemic has hit each of us differently and to varying degrees. But the most common one is the shrinking of ministries. Let us be encouraged by the purpose and calling Jesus placed in our lives. I hope that none of us serve in the ministries for the glory, the numbers, and the honors. May we continuously find comfort in those people we handle at the same time, seeking persistently those who have been away for some time. Let me encourage you through God's word, based on Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Things can get confusing and discouraging, but God can work wonders even in a few. Continue to disciple as if the room is full. Emphasize the word. Let the spirit work. Emphasize the word. Let the spirit work. Continue to use technology wisely, for they can also be a means for discipleship, such as our small group accountability and Bible studies, 
for prayer meetings, for reaching out to other people, and especially for the teaching and preaching of God's Word. Today, especially in our country, more and more people are becoming afraid, anxious, and hurting because of the pandemic. If possible, visit them physically. If not, we use technology to reach out. If you know anyone who is sick, care with the word. If you know anyone who is depressed, encourage with the word. If you know anyone who is tired and weary, strengthen with the word. If you know anyone who lost loved ones, comfort with the word. For the power remains the same. May God bless you through the preaching of his word. Thanks be to God. Let us close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today that reminded us of the power that is contained in it. Thank you for your word that continues to edify, sanctify, and unify us as members in the body of Christ. Thank you for your word that sustained the early church, the church throughout the course of history, and even the church today. Lord, may your church continue to be faithful to your word by seeking its power in scripture alone for discipleship and the other ministries that we have. May it continue to help us grow in Christ-likeness and develop the spiritual discipline. Lord, as we start a new week ahead, may we live out our lives that is pleasing and glorifying to you. May you sustain everyone with good health and security. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. For sharing and reflection with your family, friends, and small group, I have two questions in mind. The first, what is your main takeaway from today's message? What is God telling you? And second, having seen the power of God's Word throughout the ages, in your discipleship groups, how can you continue to be rooted and encourage each other to read and study the scripture. Please listen to some announcements. We have small groups that meet every week. If you are interested to join, kindly contact any member of the pastoral team and we will be more than happy to connect you to a group. Next, Bong Un Tiong Cha, U Le Kai Si Ine Sa Kien E Shoto, Tak Le Pai Pai Sa, Kao Tiang Puang, Kao Sap Tiang Puang. Following, if you have any family members, relatives, or friends who are in need of counseling, kindly visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash nmecjoyfulhope. You may also get in touch with Pastor Jean Chan to schedule a session. If you have kids from ages 4 to 12 years old, we have our NMEC Kids Worship Online every Sunday at 10 a.m. via Zoom. For further details and registration for first-time attendees, kindly visit our Facebook page. Also, our Engaged Youth Fellowship meets every Saturday at 3 p.m. via Zoom. Kindly contact me or Pastor Jaya if you wish to join. If you have family or friends who are interested to listen to God's Word in the Mandarin language, we have prayer meeting, Bible study, and Sunday service weekly in Mandarin. And lastly, 
If you wish to know more about New Millennium Evangelical Church, we have our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Thank you for worshiping with us. May you have a blessed week ahead. See you again next week.